Welcome back to the Trekway. Uh, you join us here today, Mr. Gray and I, as we talk about uh, Mr. Gene Roddenberry and an article Mr. William Shatner made recently that it's a bit controversial. We're going to break it down a little bit. Do you want to say hello to the people, Mr. Gray? Hello, people out there. I hope you're one with Trek today. I'm liking this saying. I think it's going to catch on now, Gray. <laughs> one with Trek. That's our slogan. <laughs> that could be like, we need to like... Hashtag that or something. Uh, right. Anyway, to give people some context, um, uh, we weren't sure if there was enough information content in this to actually make it an episode, but do you want to know something? The more I went through it, the more I broke it down into like little points. There's actually a lot to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. Gray, do you want to give them just the, the top line, the top paragraph of what, what uh, Shatner said and we can break it down? Sure. I mean, the, the crux of it is that Shatner was at the San Diego Comic-Con and a, a fan had just said, you know, what he thought of the newer track as compared to the original series or TOS as we call it. And his comment was that he didn't like the new track and he thought Roddenberry would turn in his grave over it. And everybody and it and not, and it caused a lot of controversy. Some people agreed, a lot of people disagreed, and so it started a whole thing. Yes, um, I didn't know about this point until Gray brought it to my attention the other day. And like he said, it was it was just made at the the San Diego Comic Con last month, and and uh, I missed that completely because I keep up to date with I love Comic Con for all kinds of reasons. And if you uh, tune into Gray's uh, green room. Uh, which I'm a co-host on with Mr. Gray here. Uh, we, we do talk about that kind of stuff because it involves a lot of the Marvel DC stuff, which we talk about because we're big geeks at the end of the day. Um, so essentially, uh, there's a lot to unpack in this one, Gray. Uh, now, yep. Mr. Roddenberry uh, had a bit of a reputation back in the day uh, in Hollywood, from my understanding, that he was a genius at what he'd done but he was a, he was pretty far ahead of his time for multiple reasons, in terms of um, in terms of the first interracial kiss, having an Asian on the show, um, doing things that people just didn't approve on. He tried to push the boat, so he pushed a lot of people's buttons, and he pissed off quite a few people in Hollywood for that. So people knew it was about it was a genius, but at the same time they were like, you know, come on, come on. So I'm not really surprised this has really happened. Um, I'm looking through some points here, um, and Roddenberry, uh, back in the day, had a kind of a guide or a Bible. Uh, it was known as a show Bible or writer guide, so he could keep all his writers on the same page. And that was fundamental Roddenberry because, you know, he, he was very controlling. He wanted to have it more or less exactly the way he wanted it 
uh, and he wasn't too interested in what other people thought. And that could be a bit controlling. Um, and if you compare, if you can compare new Trek to old Trek, and that was the crux of what Shatner was talking about. He was talking about it's not as good as the original series. That can be controversial, as we know. Um, I've got opinions on that one, and Gray's got opinions on that one, which we'll, we'll delve into a little bit uh, very, very shortly. Well, let's. I think where we can go from this one, Gray, is we can talk about some of the differences between modern Trek and the old Trek, right? And then we can see what you think on it. And then if people want to leave us a comment afterwards as well, uh, they, they can do it. Uh, it's worth quickly noting, actually, I should have done this at the start, apologies. Uh, this pod, this this YouTube video and all YouTube videos, including our introduction, will be available as a podcast as well. So if you don't want to see our pretty faces, why wouldn't you? Then you've got a podcast in audio form. It's just the Trekway as well, and it's available through all good podcasting services that you like. Pretty much they're all there, so you've got that option as well, guys, if you want. So we'll go over a couple of uh, points, and feel free, if you've got a point, Gray, that you, uh, we haven't got down in the notes that you want to jump in with, please do. Um, we don't need to do these in any particular order. So the first one, I strongly agree with this one. We've got melodrama, right? Now, mm-hmm. fans of Long Accused, Star Trek Discovery, and it's not the only one, have been full of mel- melodrama. Uh, a good example of this one... Um, there's a chap called Anthony Thompson who wrote in July 14th that Discovery is an embarrassment with convoluted, badly written storylines and melodrama, melodrama, it's easy for me to say, with more crying than you find on Young and the Restless. Now, I find that amusing. I don't know what that show is, but I find that amusing because I can just imagine it's that kind of show where there's a lot of that stuff, like a episodic, like a soap opera or something great. I'm thinking I'm getting that well, just. Do you know what um, this program is? Yeah, Young and the Restless is a soap opera. A there we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think the point of, of him saying a melodrama is right on target because a lot of Discovery is, is set up as a melodrama. And actually, if you go back, uh, even the series that we nobody talks about much anymore, anymore as Enterprise was also more melodramatic uh, In what than way? it needed to be. Um, it, it wasn't as episodic as one would think, number one. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it was more into everybody. I mean, you want to know about the characters and you want to know, you want to care about them. But when it starts to get into their every little nuance thing, it, it starts to get kind of annoying. Um, and I think that was part of the problem with, with Enterprise and I think maybe more so with Discovery. Um, yeah. Star Trek originally was made as an episodic thing. Does it now, does it have to stay episodic? No, not necessarily. Um, but I think people sometimes confuse episodic with meaning that that's not good. And that shouldn't be like that. Just because it's episodic doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Everything was episodic originally. yeah. And then it gradually it grew into what they call the long arcs or arcing storylines, et cetera. In fact, the, the, the science fiction show that started the whole thing with art with, and I don't know if anybody really, if everyone knows this, but a lot of people do. Uh, was Babylon 5. When it came out in the 90s, no program was doing long arc stories. No program was doing overarching stories that, that carried on. Nobody. And yeah. he came in, uh, uh, J. Michael Szczynski came in and did this. And ever since Babylon 5, everybody quietly started adapting the formula. Um, and it's worked quite well for a lot of shows that 
went after Babylon 5 and have been on the air and are on the air today. But that doesn't mean that episodic is a bad thing. And sometimes some shows lend itself to being better when it is a little more episodic. Thus, Strange New Worlds getting back to episodic or going back to TOS, which is always episodic. Uh, TNG was basically always episodic. But they but they were able to weave in some of the overarching things without making it too too uh, 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 overarched or too overarched, whatever you yeah. want to use the word. Yeah. Um, so they knew how to do it. They knew how to do it. Um, and I think that's probably part of the problem with Discovery is they don't know how to do that. And they lost their way a little bit. And I know some people out there love soap operas. I'm not knocking the soap operas if you like them. But let's Just keep them fair. out of sci-fi in Star Trek, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and let's be fair. It doesn't take any, any real brainchild to write a soap opera. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, a daily soap opera is just like you know you you can predict everything that's going to happen in, in a daily soap opera. I'm I'm not a fan of the soap operas. I must admit, Gray. I uh, I think the only one I ever watched in, in in university was Neighbors, the um the Australian uh soap opera, very popular in in, in here in the UK and in the states, and just finished recently. It was very sad, uh, but I digress. Uh, that's the only one I've ever watched. I hate them. I don't think there should be a place in Star Trek for them. Now, we have to be careful here, Greg, because the original series and uh, Strange New Worlds are very similar in many ways, for, for obvious reasons. They wanted to try and go back to where it was at the start, but also bear in mind that there's all these, all these years of Trek, of canon, of modern ways of telling stories, modern CGI modern everything essentially so trying to blend the new with the old but make it still feel classic at the same time now you still need a bit of character development you still need i mean if a character cries of course thing bad horrific things can happen in star trek sometimes um you have some you've had some the uh, dark star trek i would call it that's maybe um the kelvin verse i would say is maybe a little bit darker sometimes than the other stuff so a bit of crying, a bit of emotion, a bit of shock and awe is fine, but don't put it in all the time. I, I, I feel sometimes that in Discovery, for example, you would have uh, Burnham and Tilly. They were good friends. I, I know your Gray's working his way through Discovery because for people who don't know, he's not a fan of that series. He's got two seasons to watch, three and four, but they're the better ones so far, so it shouldn't be too bad for him. But he knows at this stage, Tilly and Burnham are good friends, but sometimes you're still getting elements of them almost having a girly girl moment in their quarters together, yeah. having a cry, and yeah. I'm like, come on, yeah, man. Like if, all the time. If you cry because you've just seen one of your pals being shot on the bridge or on a planet, then that's fine. There's there's something to that, you know, but just having a cry in your quarters with your friend, I, I would maybe agree with on that point. Leave that out and don't overdo it because otherwise you're kind of going to ruin it and spoil it and take it back to more the original stuff. Uh, in terms of the episodic stuff, Greg, you hit the nail on the head there as well. Um, if you have zero arcs in these seasons, it lends itself more towards the melodrama because that's part of what makes up these things they need to fill it in they need to join all these episodes together by putting in more and more drama uh, and that pops up too much when you get episodic stuff they don't have as much time to focus on that so it's it's always it's more difficult to write individual episodes i think than 
three, four, five, a whole season as one story, you know? Um, and I hope they keep doing what they're doing on Strange New Worlds. I fear they won't. I fear it'll just be Strange New Worlds. Discovery and the rest of them will keep doing zero long arcs. I'd like to think I'm wrong, but who knows? Um, oh, we'll see, because we don't even know if, if other new Trekkers are going to come out, like they say, because the rumors have been going around about Section 31 and other shows for so long now. Yeah. And, that, and what people don't understand, not so much years ago, but the today... In order to keep the the shareholders happy and to keep people thinking that you're going to make money, you make announcements about shows that may never end up happening, and yeah. you'll get you'll get the good feelings and they go like, "Ooh, that sounds good," and then you end up never doing it. <laughs> so, Section Thirty One has been it was mentioned, God, at least two years, three years ago. You've seen it any recently? Yeah, it's supposed to be in development for a long time. That's a yeah, that's an idea for yet another. Uh, episode mm-hmm. we can do. I mean, I mean, probably well. It's not a good. It's not a bad thing to have loads of ideas. There's there's rumors of other shows. Uh, rumors of Section Thirty One was at least we've been told last still in development. So you gotta take it with a pinch of salt at this stage until we actually see it on screen. You know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I say, we can we can certainly we'll put that in the old notepad, Gray, and we'll talk about that because that's a fascinating episode, rumored series, and series that we'd like to see within Star Trek, you know. Uh the 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 next um the next element of modern Trek that I think in fact I know based on what he said that Roddenberry would not approve of is what I'm reading here in this article um is swords and sorcery, right? And there's a couple of sections for this that I've kind of wrote it down the wrong way, Gray in case you're wondering where I'm going with this one. So he famously disliked space pirates knights and princesses, things like that. Um, and he did once say, and Grace probably going to do me here for the pronunciation, knights and princesses, stalwart yeoman? Yeoman. Yeoman, there we go. <laughs> Close, see, there we go. Um, Does anybody and remember dra- Yeoman Rand? And dragons are not science fiction for our purposes. Now, I had to ask Ray what that was, a stalwart, but uh, he filled me in. Um but essentially, it means, like, it means like upstanding, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. It's if you think about Star Trek like that, it's it's for it, like, for me, it's not like that. Uh, the recent um, it, it goes on to say here in this article, the recent Strange New Worlds episode, the Elysian Kingdom, featured Anson Mount and the rest of the cast dressed in fairy tale costumes. Roddenberry might not have liked that one. Now, I have to agree. I'll read um, the section just after, purely because it, it ties in with it at the same time. Uh, he also, Roddenberry advises uh, that the, the, the TNG should not feature Captain Picard and his crew by, uh, flying around as uh, space pilot. Uh, sorry, galaxy policemen. Uh, this is the first episode of Strange New Worlds featuring... Pike getting into the middle of a civil war on an alien planet. Um, some might suggest that Pike was not a galactic cop and more a mediator, but he was trying to stop a civil war. Now, I realise they're two separate points, but I kind of want to put them together to talk about them. Now, Gray, you and I both really enjoyed the Elysian Kingdom episode. I think I remember saying to you at the start when we were watching it, I, I said to you, what the hell is this? Uh, what? What? Yeah. You know, and then by the end of it, I was I had a, a tear in my. Um, yeah. Now, 
I'm going to agree, I'm going to disagree with Rodney in this one, okay? But because you and I both enjoyed it, I imagine many other Trekkies out there enjoyed it. What's your opinion on that one, Greg? Did you enjoy it? Is Rodney right or wrong? Well, first of all, I think when he was talking about not having princesses and dragons and all this stuff, he I think he meant that in an overarching way. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like he didn't want that to take over Star Trek, and that's fine. That one single episode in uh, Strange New Worlds is was a separate episode that was there was a reason behind it why 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 this all happened. It was an entity that caused this to happen. So kind of like Q in uh, Next Generation, where he causes wild things to happen that that are totally out of the ordinary. Same thing. It was only one episode that did this. And they probably won't do much like that again. So the whole series isn't princesses and dragons because if you're gonna if you're gonna think of a series that's princesses and dragons, then you're then you're talking you're talking Star Wars uh, or you're yeah. talking Game of Thrones. Yep. You know that's that's princesses and dragons, literally because there's dragons in some of it. <laughs> um, so that but that was meant to be that way, and those are still you know great shows in their own right. Yeah. One of the things I think that Roddenberry always did, and I always, and look, one thing I want to say up front before everybody starts getting bent out of shape is that everybody has their, their pluses and minuses, no matter how good, you know, great you might be. And there's certain things he liked and disliked that maybe we agree or we, or we don't agree with. And we have to remember, too, the Trek's been around for 55 years or more. Um, so, so things are going to change. The world doesn't just stay put in. Uh, you know, in one in one way. However, good story writing is good story writing, regardless of whether it's overarching, not overarching, single episodes, whatever. As long as the writing's really there, it's there. And he did birth Star Trek, so obviously he did something right. And I think for the time that the series TOS was on, it made sense for him to be steering the ship because he was steering the ship through wildly uncharted waters at that time. Yeah, and and he was brilliant on what he was able to get through the guise of sci-fi, because a lot of the the people that were watching TOS back then, they all they saw was a science fiction story. That's all they saw, so they weren't they weren't looking at it as being you know like uh, uh, necessarily some uh, you know political statements or things on culture today. Yeah. They just thought it was a great sci-fi show. But so he was able to get all this under the radar, which was great. Now today they. They look a little more carefully at stuff like that, but but you can still get things under the radar if you if you put it properly into the the right kind of story without without getting preachy. It's a fine line. Yes, it's it, a very fine. It really line. is, and yeah. people get like you know, well, they're trying to. Pre-. But you can. It's funny how you can actually tell though if you're doing a preaching episode as opposed to something that just makes sense in a story. You people are pretty intelligent out there. You can tell the difference. Yeah, I like uh, to. Anyway. I'd like to give Trekkies a bit of uh, credit with that one there. They make up their own minds on on the subject. Um, we were the most grateful fans in the world. If you treat canon, you treat the fans right, you do the right thing by them. The most loyal fans in the world, but the most arsey fans in the world. If uh, you just start pissing all over canon and you start ruining all the years and decades of Trek that came before, so stick to what you know. Don't. You can chart new waters a little bit, but just be careful uh, because you, you know you don't want to piss off tra- Star Trek fans. But the the, the point the when you go, Gray. No, I was going to say I think I think it's okay. I guess it depends how much of a purist you are. 
I think it's okay yeah. to maybe stretch things a little bit in canon occasionally, because but as long as you don't stretch them to where they just you just don't snap believe it. until they snap or exactly. break or they don't exist. <laughs> like I'll give you one big example, one huge example. Okay, when they introduced uh, uh, the character in Star Trek Discovery as um, uh, as being Burnham as being Spock's uh, stepsister, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, that's hugely wrong. Yeah, and really, and really busted and stretched Canada. They never, ever, ever, ever should have went to that. They, it was a crutch, clean yeah. and through. They, and they, if they str- just treated her as a regular character, like any other captain that they've done, you know, or 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 character. It would have, it would have been better. That I also was... think it was a mistake, a big mistake, yeah. to make Burnham as the featured character, and she wasn't a captain. I'm sorry. In Star Trek, it works better. If you have a captain or some kind of command structure going on, at least at, at the initially, and so I understand they were trying something different. You know, I get it. But when you first started watching it, and you're looking at, it and you're going like, essentially, there's no captain or a captain that was, as we know, Lorca was nuts. Um, <laughs> it didn't. It just started losing people. Man, they're sitting there going like, wait a minute, she's stepdaughter to Spock. How does this figure out? And there is no captain. And then of course she ends up becoming captain. So why didn't you do that at the beginning? Uh... <laughs> uh, they were, they were the grade. They were, they were, stre- they were stretching that. That that point you just made, that technically didn't break canon, because obviously Spock never said, "Oh, I'm the only child," or I don't recall him ever saying that. So that's why they have literally grasped onto that little tiny fact and blew mm-hmm. it up massively. So they stretched it within a, a millimeter of breaking snapping that piece of cannon and i agree with you they shouldn't have done that mate they should have left it be burnham as her own character is brilliant i generally think the the kind of first officer come captain that's she reminds me a little bit of Riker, not completely a little bit in terms of he'll go and do the stuff that the captain won't he'll be ballsy he'll be a leader he'll do the stuff that Jean-Luc Picard or whatever could never get away with doing because of their, their position and their standing. Uh, she's obviously a bit, a lot more nuts because uh, she, she kind of started a civil war, really, didn't she? So well done, Burnham. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, no, you're, you're right, man. Uh, I think Roddenberry would, uh, I think he's right and wrong on the whole swords and sorcery thing. Um, you don't want it to start turning into Star Wars, uh, I don't know. I have nothing against Star Wars. It's one's fantasy, one's science fiction, uh, and 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 you know, to be fair, Roddenberry um, scientists, like you've said before, Gray, were consulted uh, at least some of the time, especially in more modern times mm-hmm. when they're writing Star Trek compared to Star Wars. So that's why I like Star Trek uh, a lot more than I do like Star Wars. I like the stuff that's based on uh, on that. But we will get to. There's a point just after. And it's uh, that actually speaks to that quite a lot. Uh, I wanted the the follow up point we, we kind of joined them together, Gray, uh, about uh, Roddenberry advising that the TNG should not feature uh, Picard and crew flying around uh, in the role of galaxy policemen. Now, I read that straight away, and I just think Team America the movie, and it's not picking on America. That's just you know that I, I get yeah. familiar vibes to that one, and it's hilarious. Is he right to do that? Yes, because Starfleet are not, um, they're supposed to be a peaceful organisation. 
despite making the USS Defiant. But again, that's a that's another episode that we're going to talk about because that's my favorite <laughs> ship. Spoiler. Um, but if, if if we're being honest with you, if they do it in the right way, I don't have a problem with that because you TNG. Uh, sorry, sorry, not TNG. Strange New Worlds. Uh, the episode where they're uh, where Pike's mediating uh, on that alien world where he beams down. Now, I think that's a nice fine line that they're treading on properly because he is not uh, acting like a cop. He is trying to be more of a mediator there, offering suggestions rather than pushing the boat out. Now, yeah, he is pushing pushing the boat out slightly by you know, revealing the Enterprise to everyone because his hand's kind of forced. But I think he went about that the right way. I think the right the, the writers are going about that the right way. What is your thoughts on that, Mr. Gray? I, I think they definitely went the right way because as much as I might not like Discovery, the premise of that episode was the fact that this civilization saw what happened to the Discovery and the Enterprise when it was thrown into the future, etc. So there was a whole stellar phenomenon that happened that this planet could was able to see, analyze, and figure out what was going on and back engineering and create, uh, uh, you know, warp core technology, but in the wrong way. In the should we, should we suggest way. why really quickly, Gray? Why they knew about that? Do you recall why they knew about that? Can you fill the listeners in? in the well, again, not remembering everything and discovering, but the gist of it was, was the fact that because of what happened in season two and in that, in that, that particular episode, uh, this this civilization was able to examine what happened and they figured out back engineered everything and made a made a warp core technology before they really should have so really uh what's it uh pike was thrown into a situation where where this was quite unexpected thanks so to i don't think he, I, exactly so i don't think he would have done what he did but he but i felt he he, he think i think he was compelled to have to think on his feet and do something because he had no choice yeah. Um, so he wasn't really at destroying the prime directive, which really wasn't there at the time. And that was another cool thing. They created the prime directive like after that episode. Yes. Which is very smart, which was very, which is very interesting. And and that's another thing I really loved about the story. It, it really wove into the fact, okay, yes, it was unusual. Yes. We kind of had to interfere sort of, we're not happy about it. It worked out. Okay. But this ain't happening again. Let's write the prime directive. And of course, later on you hear Pike go, "Oh, that'll never work." <laughs> <laughs> Typical. I thought that was funny, but I think, but again, he was thrown into the situation, so he had to sit there and think on his feet. And I believe he came up with what he felt he had to he had to use shock and awe in order to get these people to understand what could happen, what did happen to his own world, et cetera, et cetera. And he had he had to resort to it. Now yeah. it could have it could have backfired badly on him, but he took the shot and. Luckily, it didn't. So, so what? What? Um, because Gray's catching up in Discovery still. He has finished the first two seasons. So, the bit in question he's talking about um, to elaborate slightly more is the very end of season two, where the shit's hitting the fan, and it's it's uh, Pike's Enterprise and the Discovery up against the bad, corrupt Section 31 headed by, is, was it Central? I don't recall, Gray. It was the, it was the AI that was, that was corrupting everything, trying to take over the world, trying to get Discovery's mm. um, advanced database that it got from that alien life form. Um, so with that, 
because of the amount of explosions, antimatter explosions, and a lot of them, a lot of pew pew bang bang, basically, Gray. Uh, mm-hmm. A neighboring planet saw that, done what we would probably do today, Gray, with the technology we've got, then probably at a similar technology level, their telescopes, mm-hmm. their whatnot, their, 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 uh, their own James Webb telescope, whatever. And they were probably viewing all this and going, all oh, right, okay, they study it, antimatter, they reverse engineer it. They don't necessarily know how to make uh, a warp core yet, so they make a dirty bomb instead out of it. Now, that makes total sense for someone that doesn't properly understand the technology. Now, because of Discovery mm-hmm. made a mess in season one and two, I thought that was genius from the, the, the Strange New Worlds writing staff, mm-hmm. Gray, to try and make something positive out the first two seasons. To, to Can I just imagine Pike facepamming himself going, I know he didn't know about that. See, this is the thing. He doesn't know about that because only select, sure. select people... No, he does know about it. What am I talking about? Shut up, Trevor. He does know about that. He does only know select that, people. Yeah. yeah. So I can just imagine Pike facepanning himself going, Burnham, oh, come on. What have you done? I mean, look at the predicament I'm in now. I've just had to reveal the Enterprise to people that are not ready. Uh, I did think that shot of the Enterprise hovering, we've seen it in trailers, and, the action, and we thought that was the... Um, the uh, space cloud people remember. I don't. That was an original series, wasn't it, Greg? You'll know better than me. Where everything's set in the clouds. There's a whole series in the clouds, isn't there? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah for I don't recall what episode it was, and we thought when we saw that uh, uh, trailer uh, with Enterprise hovering there, it was set there, but it wasn't. So I thought they'd done a great job of that. Uh, these guys have literally they're going to blow themselves up. So then Pike's just like, right, here's what's going to happen. If you don't, they're not listening. Okay, let's reveal the Enterprise and let's see what you could do if you tread the right way. So then, obviously, the Prime Directive is is kind of made just after, which is genius because it's the Directive, isn't it, after all? Um, now, the, war, the, the, the war essentially, or the war that didn't start, yeah. um, uh, didn't start partially because all of a sudden they saw the Enterprise in the sky. So they saw, gee, we thought we had a big stick. There's a much bigger stick floating <laughs> up there. That's what he said, didn't he? He he literally yeah, used he the stick that. compliment. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, if we're talking about big sticks, it was almost like flexing. It's like, look at the size of yours, yeah. look at the size of mine, mine's bigger. And uh, Pike's very... Pike... Do you know... And We slightly diverge on this show, guys, by the way, so you'll probably know this. It's kind of our thing, Gray and I. Because it's but, fun. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> um, but we, we do remember... We have to remember where the initial track is, though, otherwise we'll get lost. But saying that... Pike does remind me of a cross between Shatner and Riker, I would say. So, a little bit of uh, uh, Picard. And what I mean by that is, he's very I, cheeky. And I, he's think very... I think hmm? it's more Shat- Shatner and uh, Picard. Well, but it probably yeah. is. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. And I think I say that because of the obvious things. Shatner was a ladies' man. There's an episode in Strange New Worlds where he's with a lady, and we'll leave it at that. And, you know, he's a nice-looking man, I guess, so why not? Uh, but he has got his head screwed on a lot more like Picard. Um, and I think that's what makes him a great captain. Uh, but I thought that episode was brilliant. They played that absolutely perfectly. They weren't space cops, nothing like that. Uh, they are just playing with going too far and not going... Going far, but not going too far is what I meant to say. Um, and, uh, uh, taking it back to Rodmer for a second, there mm-hmm. was an episode in the original series, and I, I, I'd have to go back and find out the original name to it. But there was a point where, um, I believe, uh, I don't know if it was Kirk or, or 
or exactly, but they they threatened the Enterprise to destroying major centers on a planet. And it was a whole episode that, that came around to go, you wouldn't do that. And they're going like, well, yeah, we would. And they, they showed how they uh, the planet had saw that they were being targeted and that the, and they said that the Enterprise could basically take out all these centers. And I don't remember the exact episode, but it was very similar to this one. Now, they weren't going to do it. Yeah. But the but the threat of doing it was enough to to get these people to start thinking. And yeah. So that was a, that was another ballsy thing that Shatner did, which is very similar to what Pike did. It's it's pushing yeah, it, so. but not it's pushing it far, but not going too far. Just taking it to the line, I and mean, we we don't mind that. That's fine. We don't have a problem of stretching canon, stretching uh, big uh, factors like that. But you know, don't break them because don't want to piss us off. Uh, the next um, the next point before our kind of conclusion and final thoughts. This is the one that fascinates me the most, Gray. Um, We touched on this briefly. Science fiction or science fact? And this is what makes Star Mm -hmm. Trek different from Star Wars. One's fantasy with green little aliens with funny ears, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist in Star Trek. It does. But Star Trek is very much grounded in science fiction. Now, this is... this. This I'm, I'm careful here because we got on our soapbox, Gray. We might be here till tomorrow with this recording. <laughs> However, I've told Gray that he said to me at the start when you know he watched. I think you watched what season one of Discovery, and you were mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I'm I'm done with this. What the hell are they doing?" Now I wasn't happy with some of the things that were, they were breaking in 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 Canada. They were breaking some things. There's no doubt they broke a couple of things. The thing with the Klingons. Uh, was was ridiculous. Um, taking the thing with Spock and Burnham uh, wasn't breaking it, but it was within a millimeter breaking it, um, and various other examples. Now the one thing we've got here, many fans, the article says, were disappointed in Discovery, the spore drive technology, which is entirely fictional without any scientific basis, uh, and I quote. Uh, Forbes said the Discovery Mouseo network, try saying that 10 times quickly, which yeah. the Spore Drive works with, disappointingly does not exist as a higher dimensional space we can traverse. Now, this is where I can I can do something that Grey can't, and it's not a compliment and insult, it's just a different opinion, that's all it is. I'm a massive Star Trek fan, I don't like canon being broken, but see if I realise I can't beat them, I'm not saying I join them, but what I do is I take off that hardcore Trek hat, um, hardcore hardcore science fiction fan, I take it off for a second and I try and enjoy what I've got in front of me, realising it's not proper Star Trek. And it gives me some kind of relief, Gray. It's weird. But I have to agree with that article wholeheartedly because the idea, if, if, this, if this had been a show called Discovery, no Star Trek links to it, and it had a spore drive in it, you were thinking, wow, that's cool. That's like, that's almost like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, what was it called? The Infinity Drive, or the, I can't remember. It was the drive in the, where they literally they could turn into anything and travel anywhere in the universe at the same time. It's things like that that are ridiculous. If it's wacky science fiction, wacky fantasy, it would work, wouldn't it? Because... It's not based on anything. But in Trek, we need to have something that's, in theory, possible. Probably never happened, but in theory, it's possible. And they do this a lot with time travel. Theoretically, I don't think time travel is possible, yet they push the button in that one. Uh, But warp drive is where it's at. 
this is why I don't think you'll ever see, even in Discovery in the future, you'll see, although they have it, trans trans warp and, and things like that, they, they have it, but you don't see it often because the main mode of tra- travel is warp drive at the end of the day. And that's what we're mm-hmm. used to. So I'm glad they binned it. They had fun with it. They binned it because it was never going to work. What's your thoughts on that, Gray? Are you like me that if you can't base it on science fact, just leave it out? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not as... Uh, I, I, it's harder for me than you to sit there and just go back and go like, well, I'll just, I, I got to pull Star Trek out of this and then I can enjoy it a little bit. I can't do it. If I'm in it and it's Star Trek and you're going to start really stretching it to a point where I can't, I just can't see it. I'm just like, uh, I mean, the only thing that got me into Star Trek Discovery season two was purely because I knew Pike and the Enterprise are going to be in it. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't. I never would have made it to see to the second season. And that whole just having Pike and the crew in there redeemed that that whole season. You know, despite of what's going on. But the Spore Drive, there's, there's another whole story behind that one too. Do you remember some of the articles that were going on around then? Yeah, there's a wacky a guy, scientist or something that yeah. A guy a guy created a game uh before uh Discovery came around and in that game is a spore drive that's run very similar to what they said in in Trek. And there was a whole lawsuit thing going and Yeah, I remember I don't, that. I, I, I don't know how it all ended up or, or what. I think I think there was too many things that were that were different about it that they that the guy didn't end up winning. Uh, but they ended up having people that were supporting him and sending money to him on in his fight about this. So you kind of wonder, you know, <sighs> did they see that and they start writing stories about it? Mm. Great. They 110% ripped that off. Come on. They yeah. must have. Um, it, it did look like, I saw parts of the game and I'm looking at this going like, wow, that's uh, all the way down to the to the little creature. I forgot what they called it. Uh, in, uh, the tardigrade. Yeah, that's it. Which and there's it was, real which, like, that exists in real life, by the way. It's just not huge. Right, right. It's microscopic, <laughs> right? So it's just when I saw this guy create a game with this that it came out before the series, I'm like, wow. I, I, I don't know about that. Is is there anything original anymore? Great. Don't, that... don't don't get me wrong. Like the thought of the spore drive, if it wasn't Star Trek, and like say, like I said before, it was just Discovery that wasn't based on science fact or Star Trek. We could actually go, oh, this is wacky. I mean, Hitchhiker's Gate to the Galaxy is fucking nuts. But we love it oh, because it doesn't try to be something it's not. It knows it's nuts. It is nuts. Well, it's a grand comedy, so you can get away with a lot of crazy stuff when you yeah. start doing that. It's a classic. Um, yeah. but Almost like uh, when you're talking about Faulty Towers, do you, do you know if there's people that really run their hotel like that? No, I don't think Faulty so. Faulty Towers. I wonder how many people know about that show. I do love that show. Faulty Towers, yeah. Got you gotta know about yeah. that one. True. Manuel. Uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I think Gray and I are pretty, Gray and I are, are, are agree on 90% of things in Star Trek, to be fair, so we're going to agree on that point, and I feel strongly about that one. I do love the idea of the Spore Drive, and it's still technically there, but it's now in the future where they've got all these modes of travel, and Warp Drive is still the main one. You notice that? Good. I mean, uh, I mean, if they did Spore Drive in a in a separate science fiction slash fantasy novel, yeah, it would have been great because it's not Trek. Yeah, agreed. You know, yeah, but yeah. and we feel strongly uh, about that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's a final point here that I find this interesting before we leave. So, kind of closing thoughts. 
Uh, it says here, though Rodmery might not approve of some aspects of the current era of Trek, he was often unhappy with what was happening to these shows and films while he was still alive. He frequently tried to stop things he disagreed with from moving forward, including, and I didn't know some of this, by the way, including trying to stop TNG episode Redemption, that's a classic, from airing according to Screen Rant. He, al- he also famously disliked The Wrath of Khan, which... Mm-hmm. Is I have two favorite movies in Star Trek, and I can't pick between them because it's the old Trek and the new Trek, or the more modern Trek. So I'm not going to choose between them. Of old Trek, it's the Wrath of Khan. Of modern Trek, it's First Contact. So I'm not going to pick mm-hmm. between them. But the Wrath of Khan is the best uh, T uh, original series type movie for me. So uh, you're miles. You're 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 you're. This is where you're wrong, Ron. By hands down. Um, and it's saying here considered to be the best of the thirteen Trek films. If someone said that to me, I'm not going to disagree with them. Really not. Sure. He dis- he disliked Patrick Stewart as Picard. I knew about that one. That's famous. Uh, mm-hmm. How wrong he was proven. Um, and he disliked uh, the fan favorite episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Now, I don't like it when it's silly in Star Trek at all. So I understand that. Don't agree with it. I think that's still funny. Uh, he he also tried to stop the entire development of the next generation at first, which I kind of knew about as well. Again, you're wrong. Um, this was according to Shatner's documentary, Chaos in the Bridge. Now, there's a bit to unpack there, Mr. Gray. Um, I knew some of that. I didn't know all of it. You probably knew all of it. Uh, this whole paragraph that I just read out, this is where, for me, Roddenberry was just 110% wrong. Thoughts, please, right. sir. I think, unfortunately, as, as good as the many things he did do, I think when he, as he started to get older... Uh, he did have a drinking problem too, and that didn't help. Didn't know that. Um, right, he did, and I think it's just that some of these things were, you know, some people are set in their ways. Like, like you ever hear you ever hear the joke? Sometimes they say, "Oh, you're stuck in the '60s, or you're stuck in the '80s, or you're stuck in the '90s." Yeah, and I think that's true because I think to a certain point he was stuck in a time period or era or or a series of decades that he couldn't get past. Um, his vision of Star Trek going forward in the movies. Because uh, he was alive during then, was to keep the keep the future movies doing pretty much exactly what they did in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and we all know that wasn't going to work. Um, yeah. It was no, it was not, it was not a, it, it was it had a lot to do in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Those drab blue outfits and everything else looking kind of drab and not, you know, too colorful. That was Dahl Roddenberry at that yep. time. Um, so, and there was a lot of push and pull there. Um, he messed with the script a lot and basically just would take the script that you know comparable uh competent writers would write and just rip it up and destroy it oh. and they had to go back and rewrite and rewrite and get it back and it's just it was nuts and then yeah. wrath of khan coming out which obviously was the was the jewel of the films and everyone loved it all the fans loved it to you know universally and yet he hated it and never would have never would have let, let it hit the uh the theaters if it was if it was up to him so some people drop out of touch, and he dropped out of touch. And hey, look, it happens with a lot of people. You know, it, it's just it's just the way it is. And we all know that in all those instances, he was definitely wrong. Yeah. And I think if he had his way, I'm not saying the series went, might not have been popular to some, but it would. I think it would have ended up falling flat at some point, and yeah, and lost its appeal. You know, and stuff. Now one can say also that that. Now today, with things like Discovery, they they pretty much have done the same thing. <laughs> I yes. kind of kind of screwed it up, but I I get it. 
but the point is, is that at least the, the, the original over, you know, overall vision is still there. It's still what he, of course, I, I think pretty much what he envisioned to be. Now, uh, his son, Eugene Ronberry, has been quoted here and there across the internet. And I think he kind of takes the, uh, what would be the, 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 the proper way of saying this? He kind of takes the, the right way when he's, he's very careful what he says. Is it like he's old man, Gray? Is he like he's old man yeah. or is oh, he yeah. more forward yeah. thinking? No, he's, he's more forward thinking for sure. But he's not going to say the things that we just said. And he's not going to really acknowledge some of the stuff that we've talked about. He won't go that far. So is he a but middle I, line but, then? Is he in between his dad and what other people much. want these days? Yeah, pretty much. He wants to be. He wants to be good for all people, and, and I understand that. That's tough. What are you, What are you going to do when when you, you know they're saying all these great things about your dad, and at the same time they're saying some of these not so great things? What's his role? Uh, is he like a advisor he's executive or producer and yeah he's executive producer but then again they hand executive producer title out to exactly like confetti so take that with a pinch yeah. of salt so yeah. so yes i would say that he would be advisor per se but to be honest you know it's really his name i don't think he does a whole lot i mean i'm sure he has some input and they can choose to to use the input or not uh and that's a good thing that i mean i i like having the fact that there's a roddenberry involved i think it's great yeah. Um. But let's let's be honest. What he's there for mostly the name. Yes. You know, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, has he has he written any episodes of, of Star Trek? <laughs> no, because he's not a writer. Nope, he's not a writer. You know, stuff. Exactly. Stick so to, he can, to what you're good so, at. so do I want to see a Roddenberry involved, even if it's only a tiny bit? Yeah. Damn straight. Why not? You, you know. But beyond that point, no. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not stay, stay, stay in your lane, young man. Probably not that young, but compared to his old man, yeah, uh, he's certainly yeah. a young man. Um, so, yeah, we, we, Gray and I both, 100%, uh, that, that last part, we disagree with him in that respect there. Um, but, by the way, as a side note, and they kind of brought it up in the article a little bit, and, I, and I'm just going to bring Star Wars back into the picture for a moment. Um, people forget, too, that even though George Lucas created Star Wars and made the absolutely uh, fabulous episode four, five, and six. Well, guess what? He was also responsible for episode one, two, and three, which weren't that great. One was awful. Two was only a little better. And three at least was the best of the three. So he's had his problems too. Many problems. And I, and I can go on and on and we'll, you know, maybe we'll do that another day. But yeah. the point is, is that the great George Lucas even messed up Star Wars on his own quite, quite well. Of course. So, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these geniuses yeah. are not perfect. Um, right. Uh, being, being honest with you, um, the slightly sidetracking the, the 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 thing that he's most wrong about Roddenberry is is the, the wrath of Khan. I mean, he disliked it. That's yeah. a matter of opinion. You could argue, but you know, um, like I said, it's my favorite of the, the original series movies. I'm actually going to see that in a remaster at the cinema in like two weeks or so. Actually, and I can't wait to see that in the big screen. Um, but yeah, uh, essentially, I think there is one paragraph that I'm going to read at the very end that we've got down here, Greg, because it sums it up perfectly. That'll be our literal closing statement, if you like. But you can chip in with any comments you've got before then. I, is it safe to say that reading through this and discussing this, that Roddenberry was both a genius and a bit mad sometimes and also right sometimes and wrong other times? Like any other human. Like any other human, you couldn't say it more perfectly than that. And literally, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, and I'll I'll leave it on this bombshelf, uh, but before I do, 
Uh, please remember, guys, if you do like talking head videos on Star Trek, various thoughts and topics we come up with, please give it a cheeky like, uh, thumbs up, uh, and a subscription because uh, we will, we'll do regular videos on this and we'll also export it to uh, the Trekway on podcast platforms so you can listen to it that way as well. We will be coming back uh, with our kind of review and our opinion piece on the uh, first episode of season three of Lord X. That'll be probably a few days after it airs because I'll be away with our, uh, our colleagues, Extreme PC UK, uh, doing a bit of streaming and gaming with them down, down in uh, England. Uh, so we're busy for that, but we will get this review out to you, that episode, uh, after we come back. Um, so whether you like Roddenberry or not, and I thought this, this last thing was, was brilliant, was genius. I thought you were going to steal my thunder before, Gray, when you started talking about George Lucas <laughs> and Star Wars. Um, Roddenberry, like George Lucas and Star Wars, created something that was taken over by new people and he did not approve of every decision. Yes. This would mean that he'd probably not like everything, but he'd probably like the fact that his franchise is worth an estimated $4 billion USD. And that says it all, people. That's just controversial yeah. to the end. Uh, anyway, on that bombshell, we are going to love and leave you. Uh, we will be back to say for that first episode. But until then, uh, say goodbye to the people, Gray. See you later. Bye to the people. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.